0: Let's get into God's Word. As you know, we are taking this journey through John, and uh, last week, for the benefit of those who might not have been with us, we were talking about the attributes of a godly character because we recognize that character is so critical to our testimony. And by definition, character is the, the pattern of behavior or personality That's found in a person. And so the the way we behave, the pattern of our behavior, our personality, uh, character, if you will, are so important, is so important, excuse me, uh, for our testimony, uh, uh, for our demonstrating who Jesus Christ is through our life. And we talked about uh, these attributes, which is, which governs these patterns of our behavior. Uh, And last week, we looked at three attributes, which was a a costly, sacrificial giving, where we saw how Mary uh, uh, poured out a bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet that was worth a year's wages. And we talked about also uh, the humility and service. And we used the illustration of the young donkey's colt that Jesus rode on. And and no one gave recognition to the the donkey or the colt. All recognition went to Jesus. And lastly, we talked about how we need to be totally surrendered in our life. Where Jesus said uh, and reiterated about how we need to be like him and follow him, that he was totally surrendered to the will of the Father. And so as Christians, we need to live a life that's totally surrendered to the Father. And so as we continue this journey through John, we really can't leave this uh, attribute uh, of, of godly character without really looking at today the the, the greatest of the attributes that a godly character demonstrate and display. So John's gospel, we're looking at chapter 13, and we're going to read two verses to kind of set us off here in our journey. A new, I'm looking at verse 34 and 35. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, I come before you now in the precious name of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to communicate the thoughts you put in my heart for all of us here today. I pray, Father, that the the power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow my insufficiencies and enable me to communicate and to, to give this word in such a way that everyone will clearly understand what this greatest attribute is all about and how critical it is for us to demonstrate this so that we can in our godly character, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said with me, Amen. "Amen." All right. So as we just read, Jesus uh, commanded his disciples to love one another. Now I I came up with what I feel is a great definition for us to all be on the same page regarding love. So here it goes: it's a deep affection and devotion. To the well being of a person or persons. So notice it's not just an emotion, the deep affection, but it, there's also the, the element of devotion to their well being. So that combination is what we're talking about when we talk about love. And Jesus commanded uh, his disciples to love each other. But then he said, and here's the deal I want you to love one another as I have loved you, which now we need to take just a few moments to look at how did Jesus love his disciples? To what degree can we, can we get a little picture of the kind of love that Jesus had for his disciples? Because that's the standard by which the disciples were to love each other. So we know that Judas would betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that, yet he loved them still. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him, not once, but three times. Yet he loved them still. And we know that in the garden when Jesus got arrested, that all the disciples abandoned him. And Jesus knew and told them they would abandon him but yet he loved them still. So th- just recapping those, just those three incidents from the disciples, Jesus knew they would betray me, they would deny me, they would abandon me. Think about that. If you knew that I would betray you, I would deny you and abandon you, would you still love me? Now, I know you would because I'm such a lovable guy. But think about that. In the natural, if you knew that about a person, would you still be able to love them? So it's a very high standard that Jesus set for the disciples, saying, You are to love one another the way I have loved you. Now, Jesus said, if you have that kind of love for one another, then the world would know that they were his disciples. So Jesus clearly outlined that love for one another would identify them as disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. So now let's make the connection for us here today. Because... I think by now you figured out that the greatest attribute of a godly character is love. Yes. Thank you, Brother June. We have one person that's awake here this morning. Those of you watching online, please pray for this congregation. Now, the love that we're addressing here today is specifically the love that's supposed to be found within the body of Christ, the church, right? That was, Jesus was addressing his disciples and saying, the key element in identifying who my followers are is they have to have a love one for another. So now, let's affirm that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The apostle Paul writes this. Now, these three remain or continue, faith, hope, and love. Notice, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest between faith, hope, and love, the greatest attribute of all of those is love, the Bible declares. Now, we want to look at, in a very practical way, why is love the greatest attribute of a godly character. Well, First John chapter 4, verse 16, puts it this way. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So now the Bible declares and makes it clear that the very essence of who God is can be best described in this one word. Love that God is love, and those. And remember now, by definition, that love is that deep affection and devotion to the well-being of another person or persons. And the Bible makes it clear that God has a tremendous love and affection, and and, and is concerned for and is devoted to the well-being. Of His creation, you and I. In fact, here's what many considered the, 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 the foundational verse, if you will, of the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3, 16. It says, for God so what? Come on, say it. So God so God. loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish But have eternal life. Then in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So these two verses, for God so loved the world, and that while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love by sending his son on the cross. When you walked in, we gave you a little bit, a little a cup of juice, which has the bread on top. Those of you who are watching online, we are all going to be doing communion, so you can get that ready in a, a little bit. But this serves to remind us that God loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son while we were still sinners. While we were still cursing his name, God loved us still to the measure that he sacrificed his only son for you and for me so that our sins can be forgiven. Would you say amen to that? Amen. That's the deep devotion that God has for you and I. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, if we love one another, then the element of the presence of God is demonstrated in our life. Because God is love. And So if we love one another, the Bible says, now we again are demonstrating to the world that we are the people of God, that the spirit of God does dwell within us as the Bible said. God lives in us because why? Because we're loving one another and his love is made complete in us. In other words, we are never more like God than when we love one another. It doesn't matter how right you may think your living is. You may say, oh, well, I, I, I'm focused on living a righteous life. I'm focused on living a holy life. And I'm, I'm not making light of those uh, attributes. I believe that they're good and right, and everyone should aspire to those. But I want you to know this morning. I want you to listen to me this morning. Those of you who are watching on the Internet, if you do not demonstrate love for the body of Christ, all of that is a waste of time. The Bible tells us very clearly that it's love for one another that demonstrates that God does, in fact, live in us. I mean, let's realize this. We were all created by God for God, right? And what that simply means is God created man so that he might have relationship with man. That was the very purpose of God. Sin came in, disrupted that relationship, and then because God desired that relationship because he loved us so much, then he sacrificed his own son so that sin could be put away so that we can reestablish the love relationship with God. Are, Are we all on the same page on that? Okay, so now we're created by God for God, which means we are created by love for love. Now the reason why I'm saying that is because of this. When you look into your life, you will realize that there is nothing more important in life than being loved. Let me take the romantic side if I could for a moment. I've been married to this precious woman. Honey, I need you to stand please. Come on, they they need to see what God gave me, come on. Turn around, turn around. 42 years, I have been blessed. I love her passionately. But you see, if I just gave her everything she needed physically, if I made sure she bought every pair of shoes in the world she ever desired, if I made sure that there was always food in the house and and, and the home was taken care of and and the honey-do list was always a very short list because I was quick to get on top of that. Pray for me on that, by the way. Uh, If I did all of those things, but I never took the time to express love, she will tell you none of those things really matter. And somehow she felt she wasn't loved in fact, the book of Proverbs said there's one of, one of the things that makes the earth tremble with fear is a wife who's unloved. Yeah. So now, that's the romantic side. But let's take the side of just practical living. Every single one of us realizes you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have anybody that loves you, you will be miserable. Yeah. You will be empty. Yeah. We are created by God for God or we are created for love. That's why what happens is when you feel unloved, when you are going through that stage where you feel that somehow, way, there's nobody that loves you, then you feel that life is meaningless and worthless. We need love. And when we love one another, we are being used by God to meet each other's greatest need. You see, that's why Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples when you love one another. Don't you realize the greatest testimony that the church could ever receive is that when someone walks through those doors for the first time, if you hear this expression, I felt loved, you hit the nail on the head, right? Why? Because in the end, If that person comes into the church for the first time and the most dynamic preacher in the world is on the platform, preaching his heart out, and you know that's not me, but there's an incredible preacher and Pastor Jason and the worship team, they are phenomenally leading worship, and everybody, man, everybody's really worshiping God, and all those great things are happening, but that person comes in and nobody greets them. Nobody smiles at them. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to say in their heart, this is not the church for me. Nobody even knew I existed. But when we come in, and we come in with all of our failures and all of our faults, and people that we don't even know still love on us, that is a magnet that people cannot resist that they're drawn to. Would you say amen to that? I know that's what drew me to church. That I just felt so warmth and, and welcomed and love. Now, I want to make sure that we understand that this love that we're talking about is not this gooey love. No, no. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are, this, is, this portion of scripture is often read in, uh, in, at weddings but it really needs to be read often in the church. Listen, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, I'm reading the first eight verses. If I speak the, in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, he's just making a lot of noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Okay. Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. Description of love. Love is patient. Now I'm talking about the love that's supposed to be in the church. That we're supposed to be patient with one another. If you don't have patience with one another, you don't have love. And I'm so happy that God started with love is patient. Because that means you have to put up with me. See? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. If you wind up dishonoring somebody by saying something or doing something, you do not have love. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. We got somebody that drove by yesterday, was angry at us. We didn't anticipate that so many cars would come and literally traffic was backed up and this one guy, he blessed us as he drove by. It keeps, I love this one, wait, come on now. It keeps no records of wrong. If you remember something I did wrong, you don't love me. I'm so happy you have to erase from your memory everything that I've ever done that's wrong. And it's a lot, it's a big list. I I grant you that. But somehow in the church, we seem to remember the wrong everybody else does. Yet my Bible says that love does not keep a record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trust, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. In other words, the Apostle Paul is simply saying, guys, the only thing that truly is eternal is love. If you make a big to-do about the prophetic, and I love the prophetic, but in the prophetic or in tongues, all of those things will stop. But the one thing that cannot stop, the one attribute that every single one of us must possess if we're going to have a godly character is love for one another. And the kind of love that we just looked at We're to love one another as Jesus loves us. Why? Because isn't He patient with us? Isn't He kind with us? I mean, doesn't He, doesn't he not honor us? He's not eagerly, easily angered with us. He, he, thank God He doesn't keep a record of wrong because He casts all our sins in the sea of forgetfulness under the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, He, he always protects. He always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. He never, ever fails. Amen. And the way he loves you and me is the way we're supposed to love one another. John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, love says, I'm putting your needs ahead of my needs. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we, in turn, need to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. We need to put them first, their needs first. When the church demonstrates this kind of love for one another, then the testimony of what Jesus spoke about becomes true, that the world, those unbelievers, will know, they will acknowledge that we are disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here's a statement that I I was hesitant to share, but I sense the Spirit of God, just let me know. I need. I can't hold back. I need to share this because there sometimes people think, "Well, we're making a big deal out of love." Well, I love everybody, or I just, you know, I, I, I'm just, I just show a different kind of love, or I don't think that that's such a big deal. So long as I'm loving God and serving God, and so long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I, I think I'm okay. Listen to wh- how. The Bible puts it in First John chapter 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who are the children of the devil are." Now listen, I'm going to pause right there. Notice, the Bible is saying, "I'm going to let you in on how you can tell who's a real child of God and who's the child of the devil. Isn't it somebody who gave his heart to Jesus? No. Listen. Let's go on. What does he say? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now. So we're talking to heavy duty. I read you, this is God's word. This is not Pastor Carlos's word. This is the word of God saying, here's how you can identify who the children of God are. They always do what's right and they always love one another. And if you have somebody that does not love their brothers or sisters, they're not a child of God. No matter what they say. Don't matter what they profess with their mouth, they can be, well, I'm born again. Remember, the acid test for being a child of God is we have to do what's right, and we have to love one another. That's what the Word of God declares. That's why Jesus told his disciples, here's the command. This is not an option. This is not something that you get to choose whether you want to or not. Here's as as the Lord was drawing closer to knowing I'm going to be arrested soon, he gathers his disciples and he said, here's my command. I'm giving you a new command, which this one now supersedes all the other commandments laid out in the word of God. Here's my command. I want you to love one another. You must love one another. And here's the degree. You must love one another as I have loved you. Pastor Jason, the worship team, if you can come back. So the acid test that affirms whether we are truly Christians or not is loving one another. Having this godly attribute flowing in and through our lives. Brothers and sisters, yesterday was all about one thing and one thing only. We wanted to love on the children of our community. That's what we want to do. We want to show them the love of God by offering them free gifts and candy to go along with that. It's as simple as that. No more, no less. And in the church, whenever we gather, and I know during these COVID times, it's not easy. And and we have to make adjustments on what we have been used to doing and how we're going to do that in a way that keeps everybody safe. I get all that. But we can still love one another. As in, in these difficult times, we need to make sure that we are fulfilling the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world will not know we're disciples of Christ because we tithe faithfully. The world will not know that we're disciples of Christ because, you know, we... We, we live a morally excellent life. There are a lot of good people that live a moral life. No, the world will know we're his disciples if we love one another. That's why it is love for one another is one of the, our, our core values here at the church. It's the cultivation of love. No, one last thing and then we're going to get ready to have communion. Pastor Jason will lead us in the psalm. We desperately need to be filled with the Spirit of God in order to love one another the way Jesus loves us. You can't love somebody else to that degree under your own strength. Moreover, we need to make sure that we fully understand that we do not have the option to pick and choose who we love and who we don't love. Can we be f- fully transparent this morning? Some of us are not easy to love. Come on, aren't, sometimes there's personality differences, there's this, there's that, and all of a sudden now, we tolerate one another, but tolerating one another is not loving one another. Right? And Jesus, at one point, remember the disciples, they were arguing about who was the greatest among them. Right? They had their issues. They were not perfect men. And that's why Jesus said, the world has got to know you're my disciples. That all the stuff, that's all got to go. You got to love one another. And you The measurement of your love has to be the way I love you. Remember one last word of the Lord. The measure you show somebody else, it will be measured back to you. So, in other words, love is kind, right? So, if I'm kind toward you, the Lord will be kind toward me. If I'm patient toward you, the Lord will be patient with me. But if I short circuit that and lose my patience with you and don't want to have patience with you, then the Lord said, okay, you and I now have a problem. Because see, the disciples of Jesus Christ must love one another.